This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary. The BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles, with three online degrees available now. We are committed to the inerrancy and authority of Holy Scripture and to making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary and its online degree programs, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. That's 800-259-5673. This morning I invite you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. A very familiar passage. In fact, there's probably... Nothing new I'm going to tell you today. There's nothing uh, outstanding. There's nothing that's going to be a a new source of information for you. It's going to be review. It's going to be things you've heard before. It's a very popular passage, especially in a seminary context. The call and the command to preach the word. And gentlemen, that's our business, is to preach the word. And I hope this morning that I can assure you of that. That you are commanded, you are mandated by God to do one thing, and that is to preach the word. You're not called to innovate. You're not called to entertain. You're called to preach. I hope this morning I'm looking at a room full of preachers. I hope that you're here to learn how to better preach. You are here to better learn how to feed God's people in a local church or in some other teaching or preaching capacity. This morning the message is simple. The title of the sermon is The Command to Preach. And I'm assuming that there is an actual command in Scripture for men to get up and to proclaim the Word of God in good times and in bad, when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient. There is starvation in our churches. There is starvation in our nation for the Word of God. And we've been called to preach God's Word to His people. We begin reading in 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Verse 3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It's at this point that Paul is nearing the the end of his life, the end of his ministry. We know very well the relationship between him and Timothy. And he gives him the most important things. He gives him what he needs to be doing. He says, this is a charge. This This is what you need to be about. This is what your ministry should look like. We note this morning that first of all, it is a serious command. The command to preach is not child's play. The command to preach is a serious mandate from God Himself. That is His chosen method. That's what He's put together. That's His plan. 
to call men to preach His Word. You are called to ministry. It is a serious call. It is an authoritative call. And Paul reminds Timothy of this. He says, I charge you. It's a solemn command. I charge you, but on what grounds is Paul charging him? He reminds him of the God who called him. And this morning, I hope that you're reminded of the God who has called you. I charge you in the presence of God, the Almighty, the all-knowing, the all-powerful God. He's my witness, Timothy. I'm charging you to preach in the presence of our God. He takes it further, and of Christ Jesus. Oh, now we know many things about Jesus. I mean, there's many things that, 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 that Paul could remind him of. Uh, certainly there's authority in Christ Jesus. But he focuses on one aspect. He says, who is to judge the living and the dead? You're going to stand accountable to God for the quality of your ministry. You're going to stand accountable to God for the question, did you preach the word like I called you to do it? What did you spend your time in ministry doing? What was it for? What did you do behind a pulpit? Did you preach the word? This Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead. And he goes on to say, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And certainly we know Christ appeared once. Certainly we know there's a, a, some aspect. There's a lot of debate about this. His kingdom here today. Sure. Absolutely. But Paul is perhaps focusing him to the future. Where most fully we're going to see his appearing, his second coming. And there's a judgment day appointed for us to judge the quality of our work. And also the appearing of his kingdom in the most fullest aspect. Will our work hold up? This is the grounds for which we are charged to preach. That's the grounds on which we're charged. It's a serious command. And it's the most serious business in the world. And what is the command itself? We know it's the command to preach. A command from God Himself through Paul to preach. And we're given this epistle also reminding us that our call is to preach. But it is a restricted command. It's not a command to do whatever you want. It's not a command to move into the zip code of ministry and find your own little neighborhood. You are commanded to preach that that's it. That's the bread and butter of a gospel ministry is the preaching of the Word. If you take out the preaching of the Word, what do you have? What's left? Where's the authority? He says preach. Now we know what the Word preach is all about. That's the proclamation, the heralding, the announcing of the Word of God. You're not called to give talks. You're called to preach. You're called to proclaim to a dying world the message of Christ. That is the command. That's the action that you are to take. You're wondering, what are you preparing here for? What are you going to be going out and doing when you finish your degree? Hopefully it's preaching the Word of God. As an evangelist, a missionary, in a Bible study, whatever it may be, it must be the proclamation. But what are you to proclaim? It is the Word. It's not your Word. You are called to proclaim only the word of God. That's what you're authorized to give. That's what your king has given you. There are many, many transmissions of important messages going around the world all the time. Business decisions. Messages from one nation to another in wartime and peacetime. We have ambassadors and they bring the message of the nation to another nation. 
The ambassador does not have the right to change the message. He's simply to bring it. We are called to bring his word, the authoritative word of God, the gospel, the whole counsel. Nothing else gives life. Nothing else has authority. He says, be ready in season and out of season. We hear this all the time. We laugh about it as preachers. Keep a sermon in your back pocket. You never know when you're going to need it. Be ready in season and out of season. It's kind of become a funny quip among pastors. But it's very true. You need to be ready at all times. In convenience and inconvenience. In good or bad. You need to be ready to give an account. You need to be ready to stand up and to proclaim the word of God. You're only authorized to preach his word. Be ready in season and out of season. And Paul goes on to say what this preaching is supposed to look like. What are the results of Bible preaching? There's three things he lists here. First one is to reprove. Your preaching is supposed to reprove people. Reproof is a tricky word. We, it's one of those Bible words we have trouble. And we're always thankful they're in a list because we can always point to the other words it kind of goes with. Reproof deals with correcting error in doctrine or behavior. If you're preaching the word, it's naturally going to confront your people. It's naturally going to help them stay where they need to be. It's naturally going to show them what the truth is. And as they become more aware of what the truth is, they become more aware of what the lies are. Give them the word. You don't have to try extra hard to reprove people in your preaching if you're preaching the word. It will reprove them automatically. There's no need to go on a constant witch hunt. The sheep don't like that. You're also called to rebuke. And this is to set someone straight. Someone who's going off in the wrong path. It it is to actually come to them. And there's a need for that in our churches. There's a need for pastors who are willing to go to their people in love and to help put them in the right place. And it should come primarily through the preaching of the Word of God. We talk a lot about church discipline. Most of church discipline should be preventative. And the best place to practice preventative church discipline is through the pulpit, through the preaching of the Word of God. It it will help prevent them from erring if they're hearing it week in and week out. Give them the Word of God. It will reprove them. It will rebuke them. And finally, don't fall in love with those two R's. You need to exhort them also. You're not called to beat the sheep. You're called to love them. You're called to lead them and to feed them. You kind of earn the right to be able to sit down with them in your office and explain what's right and wrong to them in love through the way you get to know them and the way you spend time with them and the way you show Christ's love to them. Right or wrong, you just kind of have to earn that. Your preaching should not be a constant soapbox. It should be preaching the word. And by the way, God's word is full of encouragement also. There's nothing unholy. There's nothing liberal about preaching of love and grace. You don't have to do those things to be conservative in your doctrine. You can preach grace. Exhort them. Give them hope through Christ's love. Give them hope through the words of God. We have access to the word of life. The word that can take a dead soul and make them alive again. Encourage with this. How are we supposed to do these things? How are we supposed to be doing this reproving and this rebuking and this exhortation? We are to do it with complete patience and teaching. 
you don't preach for you. You preach for the glory of God and for the good of His people. And just because you feel good about a sermon doesn't make it good. If it, did it glorify God, what you said on Sunday? Will it glorify God the next time you preach? Will it, will it help God's people? You need to be patient. And you need to be teaching them. Teach them why it was wrong. Teach them why what they're hearing on TBN is wrong. Don't just tell them it's wrong. Tell them why it's wrong. And tell them why there's certain books, even at the Christian bookstore, that, that probably are not the best purchase. Don't just get there and say it's bad. T- tell them why. If you don't ever teach them, you are leaving the root of the problem untouched. At that point, we're just playing games. You're not called to play games. You're called to preach the Word of God. There's also an urgent command. The command to preach, there's urgency about it. There's a limited time that we have here. It's very easy for us to grow lazy and think, well, God will use someone else if He wants to. Absolutely. But why would you want to miss out on being used by God? Well, God will get them from somewhere else. God will send someone else to preach to them. There'll be preachers years and years from now. And there's people all across the world doing this. Listen, you have the privilege to be an ambassador of God. Bring Him glory. Don't rest on the laurels of others. Preach the Word. It is an urgent command because Paul warns Timothy that a time is coming when people will not listen. He says in, in verse 3, For the time is coming it's a guaranteed thing it's like prophecy paul saying this is how it's going to be there is coming a an actual time a period of time when people will not endure sound teaching there's a saying that i love it's, it's just an old country saying and i know you've heard it a million times it really motivates me make hay while the sun's shining while you have the opportunity to work, work. While you have the opportunity to preach, preach. Even Jesus said this, I must work the works of the one who sent me while it is daylight, nighttime is coming. That's my paraphrase of it. He says, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Does that sound familiar at all? There are pastor search committees. That's all they do. There's good ones out there where there's some. That's all they do. What's he going to say that we like? Men, let me warn you. Don't go to a church with a pastor search committee who doesn't want the word of God. Wait for a church that's ready to hear the word of God. Now, sure, you may be the one that's sent to straighten them out, and I feel for you. But if you can, go to a church that's serious about the word of God. Don't take the first one that comes calling. Search them out. Check it against Scripture. It says, They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It is urgent because there is an opportunity at hand to preach, and that opportunity may soon be gone. Maybe by your preaching, you're going to help people avoid falling into such error. Did you think about that? Maybe. Maybe it's through your preaching and through your teaching that there be people in your church who may avoid error because you took the time to preach the word. Maybe you wouldn't have to have awkward conversations about 
people they love to read and they love to listen to. Maybe they could avoid that altogether if you just fed them the right stuff all along. The time is coming when they're going to not listen to you. The time is coming they're going to turn away. And the idea of turning away reminds us of a, of a limb being pulled out of joint. It's a nasty, gruesome, ugly, uh, just a disfigured thing. There are many people with disfigured theology. There are many disfigured churches. We must preach the word of God. We're not here to entertain. As I said at the beginning, we're not here to innovate. We're not here to be exciting. We are not, we are not people who are just communicators of a positive thing. We are ambassadors who give the word of God under a mandate from God. The final thing this morning I want to point out to you is that it is a life-consuming command. I'm convinced, and, and you may disagree with me, and that's fine, but for me, I am convinced that the call to preach is a lifelong endeavor. And the reason why I say that is because I don't want to stop till I can't. And preaching is hard work. Preaching is exhausting. And preaching is emotional. And preaching is something that you're scared to do every time you do it, but you do it because you love it, because God's called you to do it. You do it because you're bound. You're bound to do it. You're shackled to preach. It is a life-consuming command. We know that Paul is, is so famous for lists. He'll give list after list after list of things that are good and things that are bad. And he wrote that really big, uh, long, run-on sentence. I mean, Paul is infamous for just being a little too wordy. Sometimes we can read and we're like, okay, Paul, just get to the point. Finally, Paul doesn't give us a big list. He gives us a short list. Now, granted, he's been... Popping off commands left and right since we started chapter 4. In verse 5, he makes a stark contrast here. He says, as for you. They're going to turn away. They're going to want false teaching. They're going to love lies more than the truth. They're going to go home from hearing you preaching and go home and put someone else on TV who makes them feel better. But as for you. There's a contrast. You're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to wallow in the mud with them. You're supposed to do something different. As for you, always be sober-minded. You have to be level-headed. Keep preaching the truth, Timothy. It doesn't matter if the people don't like it sometimes. It doesn't matter if it causes an awkward little after-church conversation. Preach the truth. Preach the Word. It doesn't matter if you get things mailed to you, 15 new ways to grow your church, and none of them involves what you're doing, and none of them involves preaching the Word. Throw it away and preach the truth. Be sober-minded. Remember what you're supposed to be doing and, and do it. And keep your cool. And be patient. Don't get riled up over silly things. You have more important work at hand. Endure suffering. Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The idea in these words, from what I can tell, is that there's never an end point to these things. You're just going to be doing them. You never make progress. You never get to a point where you say, well, I did evangelism a lot as a young pastor. Now my church has grown, so we have someone else who can do evangelism for me. No. Well, you know, I used to endure suffering. We were on beans and cornbread starting off in my first church. and Well, we made it now, so we're done enduring suffering. No, you're not. 
Well, I used to fulfill my ministry, but now I have interns to fulfill my ministry. I'll just do a little bit. No. You're supposed to do it all. All the time. The first thing I want to look at is to endure suffering. If you don't want to endure suffering, you need to leave seminary. If for no other reason, because you're going to have to take Dr. Parsons at some point. (laughs) I had to get you one time. Seriously, ministry is the wrong field if suffering's not for you. You will endure suffering because you will be hated. They will hate you because they hate Christ. It's easy to be loved by all when you're not preaching the word. If you preach the word, you will be hated. Preach the word. Endure suffering. Listen, we have men in this great state of Texas who will go and work 40, 50, 60 hours a week in the ungodly summer heat laying pipeline and welding and doing roofing and building houses. And they do it all for a paycheck. Shouldn't we work at least as hard for the glory of God? We're being outworked by almost every single profession Preach, endure suffering, put in the work. Which leads me to the next thing that Paul says, do the work. I tell you, do the work of an evangelist. I'm looking at a room full of people who should be evangelists to some extent. Some of you are going to be amazing evangelists. Some of you are going to be like me and just, just do what you can. Amen. But you're called to do the work of an evangelist. All of you. If you, that is the most basic command as Christians we have to go, proclaim Christ, share the gospel. If you can't even do that, how could you do anything else that you're aspiring to do in the ministry? How is God going to make you faithful of much if you can't be faithful in little? The most basic thing is share the news and yet we want to preach and we want to pastor churches and we want to go on to be professors maybe or different things, but you won't share the gospel? Do the work. Do the work of an evangelist. The last thing he says is is very simple. And I almost get the idea, if I was a betting man, and if I wanted to just put a guess here, that Paul says, listen, I could write a lot more stuff. I could go on for pages and pages and write to you good nuggets of wisdom from my ministry experience. But he doesn't do that. He just simply says, fulfill your ministry. And that's the word to you today. Fulfill your ministry. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you were called to do. Do what you were set apart by God for. Consider everything we've talked about. Consider the preaching of the word. Consider the authority of the scriptures. Consider who Christ is. Consider there's a coming judgment. Fulfill your ministry. God deserves better than a halfway effort. God deserves better than halfway sermons. Fulfill your ministry. What is the main idea, the main point that we should walk away today with? That is that we are commanded. We're not requested. We're not asked. We're not encouraged. We are commanded to preach the word. That's not a controversial thing to say. There's no room for theological debate on that one. There's no room for seminary hallway discussions on this. You're supposed to preach the word. That's it. That, that's the job. That's the call. Are you faithfully preaching the word? It's easy to think of your pastor, pastors you've known, but what about you? Are you preaching the word? Men, 
Are you preaching? Have you considered the seriousness of the command to preach the word of God? Do you know you're called by the same God who called Paul and Timothy? He called you to preach. You realize how serious that is? Or are you prepared to give an account one day to God for your ministry? What did you do with the souls I put under your care? Did you feed my sheep? Did you give them my words? Did you just tell them stories? I tell you, the pulpit is no place for story time. If you want us to tell stories, tell them to your kids when you put them to bed. Preach the word of God. Does your ministry reflect God's priorities? If I had to just tell you one last thing, by all means, despite any obstacle, preach the word. No matter the cost, no matter the burdens, no matter the the obstacles, the problems that may arise, preach the word and do it in a Christ-like way. You're commanded to. Let's pray.